Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, December 14th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and other hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And it includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Shana Walsh. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Here's What's What in the Big Apple. A massive fire broke out at an NYPD evidence warehouse in Brooklyn yesterday. The fire caused three firefighters, three emergency workers, and two civilians to suffer minor injuries. The warehouse contained crime scene evidence like motor vehicles and DNA samples going back decades. Officials say the fire may take days to stop and that the extent of the damage is still unknown. Also with the NYPD, two officers will stand trial today after being accused of driving into protesters during a 2020 Black Lives Matter demonstration in Brooklyn. The incident sent protesters stumbling backwards and falling onto the pavement. A civilian complaint review board already charged officers Daniel Alvarez and Andre Samusev with violating the NYPD's use of force policy. Today's trial is one of the last unresolved cases against NYPD officers for their actions during the protests. Yesterday, members of the New York State Nurses Association protested outside Ozenham Hall Nursing Home in Queens. The nurses are calling for increased staffing and improved health care benefits at the facility. The employees are currently working 16-hour shifts and claim that the nursing home is trying to reduce sick leave. The protest comes after eight months of contract negotiations. New York state lawmakers and students are calling for the passage of a bill that would offer medication abortion services in CUNY and SUNY colleges across New York. Planned Parenthood representatives held a rally earlier today in support of the legislation at the Women's Health Protective Association Fountain on Riverside Drive. Orchard Beach is returning to its glory days. The city is embarking on an $87 million project to renovate the beach's pavilion. It will restore the building's architecture, provide more benefits for visitors, and become more handicap accessible. The renovation should be completed by 2025. The Tony Awards are heading in the heights. That's right, Taylor. Yesterday, Tony Awards administrators announced that for the first time ever, the Tonys will be taking place at the United Palace in Washington Heights. The United Palace is the fourth largest theater in Manhattan, with nearly 34,000 seats. The 76th annual Tony Awards nominations will be announced next May, and the show itself will take place on June 11th. And now it's time to head on over to the world of sports with WFUV's Andrew Canary. Andrew, what's going on right now? Yeah, last night there was a huge announcement in the MLB world. The San Francisco Giants just signed star shortstop Carlos Correa to a $350 million deal over 13 years. Correa is coming off a middling year with the Minnesota Twins, but has looked amazing over his seven-year career, earning AL Rookie of the Year back in 2015 and a Platinum Glove Award last year. This news comes in the wake of the Giants losing the bidding war to get superstar outfielder Aaron Judge, who was in talks with the team since the end of last season. As fans know, Judge returned to the Yankees last week for a $360 million deal. So this new acquisition seems like the Giants are going to a plan B, which may include retaining star pitcher Carlos Rodon, who is also in talks with the Yankees. With a new bidding war shaping up between the Yankees and Giants, it'll be exciting to see how both teams stack up on opening day in March. Over in the World Cup, Argentina defeated Croatia yesterday to head to the finals. Tonight's matchup between France and Morocco will decide who Argentina will face in the championship match. For WFUV Sports, I'm Andrew Carneri. Thanks, Andrew. 
Every month, the What's What podcast brings you an excerpt from Fordham Conversations. This month, WFUV's David Escobar sat down with Susan Azarone to talk about her book, Heaven on the Hudson, which recounts Riverside Park's rich, forgotten history. Riverside Park is it's obviously got a lot of untold history, but I was just kind of initially curious, like, what got you interested in all of this? I live in the neighborhood and I love the neighborhood and I've loved it from day one. When I wanted to learn more about the neighborhood, I discovered that though there were bits and pieces here and there, there was nothing that brought together the history and the architecture and the people who were responsible for creating this neighborhood or those who had lived here over time. New Yorkers really, I think, now know Riverside Park as the West Side Highway more so. So I'm just a little curious before cars in the train, like what exactly did Riverside Park look like? It uh, it was set up, uh, well, to go back a little bit. Um, so the trains were there from very early on. And the original park was built just to the edge of the trains. There was no thought at the time to go beyond the tracks. But the drive itself, which of course parallels the park, uh, was set up to provide a wide, um, basically recreation area for walkers and um, equestrians of all sorts, uh, whether they were on horseback or uh, in a carriage. So it was all focused on relaxation and enjoyment of nature, whereas now there's more of um, sports uh, and um, that type of recreation element to it. We don't really always think about like the purpose that maybe went into a park. And, you know, somebody that's really famous in New York for kind of having that in mind when developing parks was Frederick Law Olmsted, who you talk about a little bit. Was there like a purpose, an original purpose of Riverside Park? There were multiple purposes, really. Uh, in Olmsted's mind, it was to enable people of all classes to enjoy nature, because at the time, parks, and I could put parks in quotes there, um, green areas were really restricted to the wealthy. Um, and the the everyday person was expected to get their nature by going down to the riverside or by going to uh, local cemeteries. That was another that was another um, place where they were supposed to enjoy quote nature. Um, but uh, Olmsted was a big believer in uh, opening that opportunity up to everybody. You know, the book is it's a guide to the history and everything, but it's also a guide to you know, some of the landmarks, some of the architecture. Oh, I have one particular favorite. Uh, it is on the drive. It's called the Shinazi Mansion. It's this absolutely gorgeous white villa. Uh, it stands on a corner. It is the only privately owned freestanding villa on Riverside Drive and possibly in all of New York. It has a fabulous interior, lots of wood and marble and mosaics. And the outside is, is just gorgeous as well. That was WFUV's David Escobar talking with Susan Azarone about her book, Heaven on the Hudson, which highlights the forgotten history of Riverside Park. Fordham Conversations enlists the help of the Fordham community to tell stories about our world. We also want to hold a moment of silence in remembrance of the lives lost at Sandy Hook Elementary School 10 years ago today. WFUV's thoughts are with Newtown, Connecticut today. And that's our show for today. I'm Taylor Massetta. And I'm Shana Walsh. 
Check back in with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.